Hey there, this is AJ Fry from Interspace Week, nights at 6 and 11 on Space, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Aw. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. and gentlemen welcome to an elegant weapon episode 189 my name is jay the jedi ross and welcome back to the l5j studios kids it's so wonderfully awesome to have you here back with me this week we bring you something super super cool this week i sit down with a few of the editors of the wonderful toronto comics anthology it's a super cool project it's in its third year and they are presenting a volume three what the toronto comics anthology is is just that it's an anthology of local comic creators who have come together with different short stories and such to be assembled in a compendium uh, the cool thing is these stories aren't just by toronto artists but they are in fact about toronto the wonderful city itself who yesterday celebrated its 182nd birthday so happy birthday t dot thank you for all the wonderful things that you've given us over 182 years so this is what I did, is I ventured out of the 905 down to the 416 into the beautiful downtown core of Toronto, Young Street itself, in fact, the longest street in the world, kids look it up, it's factual. But I was uh, very lucky to head downtown, and I sat down with Mr. Andrew Stevenson, Aaron Feldman, and Allison O'Toole, and these three are some of the editors of the Toronto Comics Anthology Project, a project which involves many, many of the show's fine friends, including Dave Bishop, uh, Sean Daly, and Ricky Lima, and a few others that you're going to hear about during this wonderful conversation with three of the editors of the Toronto Comics Anthology. You need to go check it out. It's on Kickstarter now. It's already surpassed 50% of its $10,000 goal in only four days. This project gets bigger and bigger every year. Hear about the origins of the project, uh, partly and partially from the mind of the one and only Mr. Ty Templeton. Uh, yeah. And it was good times. I'm really looking forward to this. We had a fun time conversation. So please go to Kickstarter and support this tremendous project. Give a little bit of cash. Throw a couple loonies or toonies. Uh, a couple greenbacks down there. And everybody would super appreciate the help. Uh, you have to support indie comics. And you have to support your local indie comics. Support T.O. Comics. It's good times. All right. Uh, next week, we are going to be featuring an individual who will be joining us in attendance at the Great Philadelphia Comic-Con. And the week after that, we'll probably be taking a little bit of a break as we head out to C2E2 Kids. I'm so excited. It's going to be my first time in Chicago. My first time going down there to Chicago should be a good time. going to see lots of good friends from all over the place, from the Florida, from the Michigan from the Philly, it's going to be good times, good times indeed, so uh, C2E2, March 18th, very, very excited for that, Batman versus Superman, very, very soon, you know, we'll have plenty to talk about that, but for now, let's dive deep 
into a wonderful conversation. Uh, Andrew Stevenson, Aaron Feldman, Allison O'Toole, editors of the Toronto Comics Anthology. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, we're rolling. Are we live? Yeah, well, we're not live. Okay. Yes. Uh, you know, we're live in our yeah. own minds, yeah. at least. <laughs> Some of us are. Yeah. Uh, we're just big there, yeah. So, uh, basically, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with the origin story. Why don't you each tell the people who you are, and not necessarily your involvement quite yet in the anthology, but why don't you tell us where you're from originally? Uh, I'm Stephen Andrews. Uh, I'm South African, ended up here by accident. Uh, bounced around the world, decided to... I moved to Toronto a couple years back, uh, and it's the happiest I've been in my life. So, you've only been in Toronto a couple years? Yeah. And South Africa? Uh, I was there for about eight years, off and on. Okay. But... No accent, no anything. No, I got made fun of for it in high school, so uh, I fixed that. Really? But you had one at one point? Oh, yeah. When I talked to my parents, you will just hear it jump right back into my speech. I can't help it. It's like Blood Diamond or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I just abruptly become, like, every racist mobster you see in, like, (laughs) 80s action movies. So the Africans were the perfect villains, because they were, like, super racist jerks. They were, like, the new Nazis. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know... Die Hard, your classic. <laughs> That's an excellent start, Aaron. <laughs> um, I'm from Ottawa, which is not as uh, interesting. My name's Aaron Feldman, by the way. Um, and then I uh, pretty much grew up in Toronto all my life. Uh, went to school in Windsor, but came back here very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Right on, yeah. right on. Allison? Uh, I'm Allison O'Toole. Uh, I grew up in Richmond Hill, which is just north of Toronto. Lived in Calgary for a couple years, but... Uh, and then Kingston while I was in university, but uh, as soon as I could, I moved down to Toronto and don't have any plans to leave. I love it here. So Very yeah. nice. So, obviously, I mean, you guys, are you all the editors here? Yes. Okay. You're all editors. Yeah, Andrew's the lead editor. You do a little involvement, though. You, I saw you letter a bit? Or? Um, yes, uh, I both write a story in each of them, um, in each of the anthologies we've done. Uh, I also do lettering for when we can't find a letterer to be able to do it. Uh, and I handle finances, uh, manage people. I do a lot of the, the, there isn't like a word for like guy who runs book, like book project manager. producer. Yeah. yeah, project manager, yeah. showrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some sort of Someday. equivalent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so how do you three meet? Um, that's a very good question. Um, Aaron and I met on the second book. Uh, we put out an open call for pitches. Uh, just people to submit like stories for it, uh, and he had a really really strong one. I liked it, uh, and I also learned that he's involved with Story Planet, which is a company that does. Um, why don't you Why do you sell? Oh yeah, for sure. So Story Planet's a it's a not for profit organization that runs uh, writing workshops in Toronto for like underprivileged schools and stuff. Oh, that's cool. So I guess yeah, you, you heard that and was like. Yeah, I'll get this guy to edit my book. No, because I knew that like you were a good writer, you had good taste, uh, <laughs> and you were also involved with new writers. And I figured like that was because we're the anthology is about like finding new talent and bring it up, and so that just seemed like a great combination of skills. Someone who would know what makes a story work and can also teach. So your first involvement is on volume two. Yeah, just as a writer. Right. Okay. Yeah. So are you on board for volume one or no? All right, so basically right. you're, you're the start I'm, of all this, Andrew. Yeah, yes, right. and we so had two other editors originally. Maybe we will jump there. How does this come about? Oh, sure. <laughs> all right, like, how does, are you just a comic fan who decided it'd be cool to put together this anthology? Um, I went to Ty Templeton's writing classes. Oh, okay, the boot camp. Uh, yes, yes, right which on. were fantastic. Like, he is actually the genesis of the project. Okay. Uh, me and uh, Nelson and Malcolm, 
uh, who were the original editors from the first two anthologies. Uh, we sat down in a pub one day and decided, let's do comics. Let's just not just talk about learning how to do stuff. Let's actually test if we can do it. And so we put together a proposal, figured out how the money would work. Uh, our original anthology pitch was, I, I really like it. It would not have sold. It would have been a terrible mistake, but Ty set us on the right path. My original pitch was to have this super cool pirate anthology. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I would I would have bought that. For so the sure. idea is like you know that floating garbage patch in the middle of the ocean, right? Yeah, there's an enormous like Texas-sized pile where all the mm-hmm. humanity's plastics is built up, and I wanted to have like a feudal Conan swords and sorcery world where all the dead pirate ships and broken wrecks end up in the ocean together, and it's just a story of this like. Corrupt temples uh, and pirate kings having great wars. It's like a historical piece. This is something you should maybe take off the shelf at some I, point. I, I yeah. love the idea. I want to use it someday. <laughs> uh, but we went to Ty, and Ty told us, like, you're not going to get enough people on board with that. You want to write about garbage people? Like, <laughs> <what's>... <laughs> I know, and Ty suggested that, like, something he'd been trying to run for a long time. Like, he did the Holmes, Inc. Uh, anthologies for a while, which okay. were part an extension of his t- classes. Mm-hmm. Basically, he had his third year students, were like third season class, third level, whatever. Sure, okay. Uh, students, Green belt, maybe? Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, they did a live production. They actually printed comics. They actually did the whole process so they would understand what was involved. Okay. Uh, I did the Holmes Inc. for a couple of years, but unfortunately, like, it was too expensive to print and they couldn't move enough books. And so he ended up losing money on it, even though he was getting, like, even though he was getting paid to do classes with it, it just wasn't a good investment for him. Like, much as he loved, like, helping students out, like, you do have to take care of yourself first. Uh, but he wanted to do a Toronto-themed anthology. He wanted to do a Toronto Monthly, where every year, oh, yeah. every month, there would be, like, 12 to 30 pages of, like, a cool Toronto thing. God and it would be constantly, that, like, on the, it would be on the ball. We'd produce, like, a month or two earlier. Like, almost very zine-like. Okay. Uh, and it was a great idea. He said, like, he gave us the, the chance to, to run with it, and we have. Man, it's... <laughs> I say God bless him because, you know, for the man that Ty is and what he's achieved and to still be so involved with yeah. trying to build this community in Toronto mm-hmm. and surrounding areas, it's absolutely insane. If you talk to guys, he's just a nice guy. Yeah, yes. I think of him as like the Lorne Michaels of Toronto comics, <laughs> kind of. Like, yeah. Totally. Because yeah. he can even kind of have that intimidating kind of, sure, yeah. you know, because yeah. I mean, once you start talking to him and he's joking and laughing, but the, the actual physical smile... Yeah, Isn't mm-hmm. always apparent, you know, but it's very he's always, theatrical. But it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, look at his background. I'm sure yeah, you guys yeah. are familiar, and he's been on the show mm, and told yeah. us all about that. Because I'm actually a Clarkson kid. Oh, okay. From out in Mississauga, you know, the mm. Air Mills QE area, uh, Lauren Park Clarkson, and that's where he's originally from. Oh, okay. And I grew up a street away from him, so I sat down at Fan Expo to chat with him just about mm. comics and stuff, and we ended up talking for half an hour just about Clarkson and, and mm. growing up. <laughs> And he spilled on me his whole story, like who his parents were. And, uh, you know, he put that whole urban legend to, to fact that, you know, Frank Schuster of Wayne and Schuster. Remember Wayne and Schuster, the show? Uh, yeah, the I mean, you wouldn't show. know it because you're oh, self-advocate. No, that's right, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. right. Okay. Old, old, old uh, no sketch show. Yeah, back yeah. in like the 70s, maybe early 80s, uh, yeah. these two guys, uh, Wayne and Schuster, and they had like a variety show on mm. Canadian television. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this the dollar bill show? I don't know. I don't know what that, that means. Yeah, I don't know. What <laughs> oh no, sorry. He uh, he claims to have been the guy who started spocking, like the Canadian. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. No, no. This is ask no, him next time he's on the show. I will ask him for sure. Um, yeah. So he uh, 
Where's the game? I'm sorry. Wayne and Schuster. Urban Legends. Uh, yes. Uh, Frank, uh, Wayne and Schuster, uh, Frank Schuster, who's one of the two. Yeah. Uh, there's always been the urban legend. Is he actually cousins with Joe Schuster, creator okay. of Superman? Oh, okay. Yeah, because you know both Canadians. A yeah. lot of that yeah. was a big yeah. Toronto thing. Oh, know he said absolutely. It's a hundred percent. They used to come over to the house and hang out. Yeah. Oh wow! Like, are you kidding? So <laughs> that in fact is true. You know, oh, because awesome. his mother used to appear on their show, hmm. right? Because oh, okay. his father ran a very uh, successful game show. He was a host in Toronto. They were like hanging out with prime ministers and stuff. You know, he could have gone anywhere. Like. He's like Canadian royalty, Ty Templeton. <laughs> but what does he do? He lives in the trenches with the boot camp, drawing comic books and helping others fulfill their dreams doing it. You know, it's it's the coolest thing. So yeah. I'm not surprised at all that this is partly birthed out of, you know, a Ty Templeton idea. You know, yeah. just, I, the coolest thing I want people to understand too is just you're not bringing together just artists and stuff. These aren't just Toronto artists. These are Toronto stories about mm -hmm. Toronto. Yes. Yeah. Right. That can be, you know, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the time. I think it's just, oh, here's a collection of Toronto comic books. Mm -hmm. No, these are Toronto centric stories, right? Yeah. No, one of the things we like, you could spend the stories in almost any genre, like uh, pirates, monsters, zombies, sci fi, uh, romance, uh, to history. The only common element is that it had to be about Toronto in some fundamental way. We need to see the city and some of the culture of it in there. Because there's some wacky stories in there. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to say that it's all nonfiction. Right. <laughs> There's some crazy stuff like, that I've seen coming up on the uh, mm -hmm. Toronto Comics page there. Yeah, Andrew, your story takes place in like a mythical fantasy <laughs> version of Toronto with like the CN Terrace, this giant tower. like The Cursed Tower. The cursed yes, tower. ruled by the cruel wizard Torontok. Yeah, and it's like the TTC is just dragons who are pulled along chains and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like, the, like yeah. the subways are all like these enslaved dragons dragging enormous minecarts behind them. That is fantastic. I love yeah. it. That's great. Wasn't there one story I saw where the buildings were the characters? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that one's super adorable. Yeah, I edited that one, right? Yeah, I edited that one. That's uh, Architecture by Ricky Lima. Uh, I don't know if you've had him on the Ricky show before. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Kelvin Sue uh, okay. is the artist. Like, if you read it, yeah. you would know it was Ricky Yeah, right it's got away. a very yeah, Ricky yeah. vibe. I, I, was, I just saw <laughs> the, the kind of workings because, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, it's, uh, it's the closed. There is the Toronto Comics Anthology Facebook page. Yep. But you do have the closed group for just yes. artist interaction, which you were yeah. kind enough to. Let me be a part of, and it, yeah. just the stuff I'm seeing is spectacular. Like, yeah. people are having so much fun, you know. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, actually, that's something I wanted to mention there. With uh, we have a Facebook group which is for like Toronto comics, like uh, artists, writers, etc. But it's not just for people who work on the book now, it is in general like if you want to learn how an anthology functions, if you want to see how like people who are trying to become professionals uh, interact with each other, it is open to people. Like, we have about 150 people there who are constantly watching and kind of. I hope passively learning, because with our anthology, we want to make it a very open project. Like our finances are visible. If you want to look up like how much money we made on book one and two, like we have that available in spreadsheets. Transparency. Yeah, yeah, because when we started, I didn't know how any of this stuff worked, and I like Ty helped me with some of it, but a lot of it you just have to figure out as you go. And just having any source of data, even if it's not like accurate or the best, mm -hmm. a point of reference uh, is a huge help. Well, did you were you kind of able to look at it like as like especially volume one as just a comic? Like even though it's a bigger breadth of work as far as bringing all these different artists, like there's so many people involved. It's still you know you need your printer, you need yep. your layouts, you need your <coughs> deadlines, and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So you decide that basically for your first comic book, you're going to involve how many like how many people are involved on volume one? Uh, volume one, it was I believe nineteen people, like oh. almost all of them from Ty Templeton's class. Okay. So we basically we recruited our fellow students, and we said like, hey, we're doing this thing. Um, 
we've got no money. Do you still want to do it? Right, right. Uh, the way the first two books worked is that the writers covered the cost of printing, uh, and the artists donated their time. Okay. Uh, and so it really was like uh, a portfolio project. It was like it was for exposure. That's which how is you, a dancing word. Get them. That's but how you, we'll the deal was <laughs> the deal was that because they were working for free, we weren't allowed to make the money out of it. I'm not allowed to profit from the fact that they are giving me free work. Right. Uh, so all the money is always publicly visible. Uh, they see where the cash is. And all of the money for books one and two uh, has to be spent on marketing those books, going to conventions. Like, I can't buy a Ferrari and drive off into the of course, sunset. Right, right, right. But that's part of why the transparency so, is so important. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I want to treat people as fairly as I can. Well, that helps people. That's a yeah. lesson in itself. People can say, oh, you know, look at a budget of how, you know. Yeah. I was yeah. lucky enough to do a, a moderated a self-publishing panel at awesome. Fan Expo this year. And uh, it was uh, Jay Fosgit, Jules Faulkner. And Ted Woods, mm. and that was that was hugely popular. I didn't realize how popular that was going to be because that was a straight up layout. Like, mm -hmm. you need your printer, you know this. Yeah, it probably cost you that, right? People were all over it. Like, it was just you know. There's still a lot it. of mystery to it. Mm -hmm. People see a book on the shelf and they assume that like a wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that you're not a wizard. Though. <laughs> um, there have been so many times making this book where I feel like Andrew, what do I do here? <laughs> So just quickly, who are some of the artists involved in Volume 1? Um, we've got uh, Alexander Greatshock. Uh, he did uh, my story in that book, actually. Uh, he's a animator out of Hamilton. He spent some time in Toronto. He's fantastically talented. Okay. Uh, we've got B.C. Holmes, uh, who do, wrote and drew his story in there. Um, and it's a, little, it's a take on Macbeth, okay. uh, with the protagonist taking on both Macbeth and Lady Macbeth roles, and it's great. There's just a whole bunch of really cool people who are just getting this start in there uh, and like I'm super proud of that book there are some fantastic talented people in there I'm struggling to recall all of their names of from of course no I don't <laughs> expect you to write off the whole thing with just a few of the cool people um, involved you know like so you got Bryce yes of course oh, yeah. how can I forget Bryce yes yeah. um, Bryce Hall uh, the editorial editor of the National Post who does fantastic oh, really? detailed work wow I I don't know why he's on our book because he's way too good for us. But I will abuse that and if I can. He's back for this one for some. Yeah, yeah. he's doing an eight-page story in volume three, which is just gorgeous. You know, it's crazy about this city because you know I've been doing this podcast for almost five years, and I've been I've been going to Fan Expo. I've been doing it at Fan Expo since I started it, but I've been going for about fifteen years now. Mm. And I'm still constantly hearing about new people that I've yep. never heard of and have no idea of. And that's just, I think we have that Canadian thing where we feel smaller under mm -hmm. the States. You know how we yeah. have that? And I think that makes us forget how massive this city is and how much talent and how much is going on in it. You know, it's one of my favorite things. I'm mm -hmm. constantly still learning new people after so many years, you know? Yeah. So your project is the perfect thing. Right. Yeah, it's also it's helped me figure out like how the Toronto industry works because there's so many people here. Wow. Like I met Allison a while back at a, a human, pitiful human lizard launch. It was a, it was the true patriot launch actually. I'm, yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. no. It, well, our meeting story was ridiculous because literally I was talking to Adam and you walked over to like give him the copy of your book that you had on you for some reason oh, and then we yeah and you were like I'm looking for editors and I was like I'm an editor and we were like okay and that was how I came on to this <laughs> no yeah I looked at it that's how it happens yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no I just think that's I can just imagine you being like I'm an editor and he's like yeah okay, all right like, I wasn't no she like, was classy it was okay <laughs> 
So I guess volume one is successful enough that, uh, is it a year later that you decide to do volume two? Have they been consecutive last three years? Yes, yeah, okay. straight up. Like we, the first book, we did it in four months. We just rushed that thing out to print. Uh, and it was a, a heck of an experience. Volume two, we decided to make it bigger and better. We got a lot more people on board, in part because we had like a product now. We weren't just a bunch of guys talking about doing something. We'd actually prove that we could at least make something. Right, right. Uh, and so we put out an open call for submissions, got like a, a wider base of people from like Thai's classes, uh, people who just knew Thai, and just like the general Toronto Spread Comics community. Right. Yeah. yeah and then we did a Kickstarter for volume two. Uh, we asked for $500. And I was terrified launching that. I thought to myself, like, no one's going to give us anything. Yeah. We're just going to, like, on day 30, we'll get a dollar. And then I will crawl under my mattress and die. Yeah, he I hear that he... more than anything else on this show. <laughs> I, I, a, a thing I like sort of telling people is when he did this campaign, he took us all aside and was like, guys, just so you know, like, I'm asking for $500, but if we don't make it, like, we'll still be able to make the book. Like, don't worry. <laughs> I was just telling yeah. these guys beforehand, uh, before you came in, that... I have a dear friend, Casey Pierce, and she just wrote a book called Nora for Source Point Press out of Michigan. And their Kickstarter's wrapping up in like 10 hours or something, right? So she comes on the show, and I was like, you gotta promise me, you come on my show first, and we launch this thing, because this is gonna be big, and I'm telling her. I'm like, this is gonna be a big event. People are excited. And the artist, his name is Sean Seal. He's a fine artist, right? And he's venturing into comics more. These are incredibly cool people. And uh, I'm like, you know, this is going to be big stuff. So she comes on the show, and I'm like, so how much are you asking for? She says, $500. I'm like, that's it? She's like, oh, do you think I'll get it? And I was like, I think you'll get it in 36 hours. She's like, no way. I'm like, absolutely. I'm banking 36 hours. I'm saying it publicly on this podcast right now, 36 hours, right? You know how long it took to hit $500? 35? Two hours. Dang. Two nice. hours. It's a month later. Ten hours of closing, and they're at three grand. Very nice. And all they asked for was this five. And I told her, I was like, the hype, you don't understand. It's going to be a good book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, got, you guys will hear about it through me, even trust me. It's actually yeah. debuting at C2E2. Oh, wow. Which is, oh. I, Toronto Comic Con, which I'm at every year, decides this year to put on an amazing show, the one year I decided to check out C2E2. <laughs> so I won't be around for Toronto Comic Con, which is really, really weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this book's going to debut there. So yeah, there's something to it. I hear that so much. With, it's hard with, to know your value well, I know until a lot you're of, tested yeah. in the real world. The amount of Kickstarters I have, and I have a lot of Kickstarters. And yeah. We're always paranoid. I can't help but laugh, you know? Cause, yeah. You know, most of the time, I'm, I've gotten good enough that I'm picking people to be on the show that I'm interested enough that, you know, most of the time, I think I've got like a 90% fun streak, you know? There's <laughs> one good. or two yeah. books that haven't made it, but a lot of those books I've also seen not give up, continue yeah. on, and eventually mm-hmm. somehow end up You still learn show. from yeah. it. Yeah. Even your failures, like, you, that, those can be much more educational. Yeah. So, how, Allison, how do you edit all of this? Do you break it up? Are you doing the whole book? Are you guys sharing it? What's happening? Yeah, so we're, um, as Aaron mentioned, Andrew's kind of the lead editor, so a lot of the kind of admin stuff falls to him in terms of like finances and book layouts and stuff. We're just like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so we, but like a lot of it's been collaborative in terms of cho- uh, choosing what's going in the story. So when we are in the anthology, so we went over all the pitches together, we chose the stories together, we divided them up. So we had more or less an equal workload in terms yeah. of the stories we were editing one-on-one. So we'd be, each of us would be, you know, we have our roster of stories and then we're responsible for kind of working with our creators. Um, 
but we, uh, yeah, and I guess we've been helping out with like marketing and that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah mostly we're responsible for like the creative editing. So I is guess that, that what you good. do? Is that your profession, or you're, is this just kind of something? I'm an administrative assistant. You're right on. Yeah, <laughs> but this is my night job. She's great at it. Yeah. I want to stress also that like when you say editing, it's in comics. It's not just like prose editing where you're like, this word is wrong. This comma could be better. Uh, upgrade this comma, but. It's a full process. It's reviewing the pitches, it's starting with the, the writing, making it as strong and like sharp as it could be, uh, and then it goes to the art. Reviewing the thumbnails, reviewing the pencils, reviewing the, the inks, the tones, the letters. Like, these two, I could not have done this book without these two people, without Allison and Aaron, who have done a fantastic, incredible job well, of like throwing hours and stuff. You need uh, to be organized for this, I'm mm -hmm. guessing, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I... Because artists are lazy, come on. Well, like, no. you got to wrangle them up. Artists are human. And they're always, like, we're not paying them enough for them to sacrifice their lives for us. And they're still, like, burning themselves. They're still putting in extra hours. Yeah. No, I see that in jest. And some of the Toronto artists I know are people who literally, I know there's one, Sean Daly. He's on book three. Yeah. He is on book three. That's yeah, right. He's got an adorable story in there. He... Something's going on out there. It's a fan of his from outdoors. It's so, I'm so fun. Kids, we've stepped out of the L5J studios. We're actually out here in the T-Dot, which is always fun. We're in the Young and Adelaide area, which is always cool to get into the core. Uh, you know, a lot of my stuff's on Skype, right? Because I'm talking to people all over. It's just easier. So yeah. the more I'm getting to do this downtown, it's, it's great. So thanks for meeting up here. Well, thanks for coming down. We appreciate it. But uh, Sean Daly... I was making fun of him on the show when he was on once, and I was like, your drawing desk is literally beside your bed, and you roll out of it, you roll out of bed onto the chair and start drawing every day, don't you? He's just kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah. I was like, yeah. I know, I can picture it. I can picture it. He wakes up, he rolls over into his desk, does stuff, and rolls back. You know, maybe listens to a little bad religion in there. <laughs> but, you know, some people just can't help it. It's just, you know, oh, they need to do ethic, They yeah. need to do it. You mm -hmm. know, it's like an innate work ethic, you know? It's it's an amazing thing. So Yeah, the creative But still, part. creatives and having to deal with that much and wrangling that many of them, I'm sure it can... Uh... Well, that is also the thing. There is no job that is just a job. There's always an emotional component involved. Like, when you tell someone to, like... Pick up that can. Do fix those words. Like it, it is also an emotion you're expressing to them, and that is something I think that is. I want to say like my editors are fantastic for that, for being really supportive of the artists and the creators, uh, helping them like helping manage them and helping them like do the things they want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody wants to make the best possible product, but there is also a certain amount that like human beings will have stresses in their life. Sometimes something the the writer wants isn't quite what the artist wants. And like it's so hard to get ideas from our own head onto the page. Once it has to go into someone else's head and then back out again, it's it's changed twice. Often for the better, but it's it's deeply personal. And so like I think working with creatives in that way is a unique thing. Well, it's nice to get this perspective because I do get a lot on the show, uh, a lot of talk about artists and writers. A lot of the time, I'll have them on together, and you know they'll discuss their process and the difficulties. And we've all heard, you know, some of the big classic teams like Snyder and Capullo, what they had to go through to, you know, start this kind of genius. And so I hear of it a lot, but it's not, I, you don't often hear it from the editor's side, you know, or someone putting together something like this. So, you know, it's cool to have this perspective. And I thank you guys for doing this, because I mean, not doing the podcast, but doing the book, like just supporting you know, the community. It's 
it's the perfect showcase. You don't see these kind of things a lot, you know? It's, uh, especially when you have a city this big. Like, I'm trying to, I look at the podcast as a way to kind of be a conduit. You know, like, I started out doing it just to talk, and it wasn't even guests. <laughs> yeah. It was just me and a friend. It's so like you guys said. It was like, I listened to enough podcasts, and I was like, why the hell aren't I just making one? Like, yeah. why am I just sitting here wasting my time? You've been studying your whole I life. I have a large mouth with much to say. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason that I shouldn't be. So me and a friend went in the basement, hit record on the voice memos on my iPhone, and mm-hmm. that's how this show started. And then I started talking to people and more, and... You know, you get more involved. And then I'd always been going to Fan Expo. It was just natural. I didn't mean to do a comic book podcast. It was just going to be a conversational. And I like lightsabers, so I just called an elegant weapon. Yeah. And at that time, New 52 came out. And it happened to be all we were talking right, about. Right, yeah. Right? And then I started meeting more indie artists and stuff and at the shows. So now I'm getting to introduce people. And they're starting to meet, like, the different cliques. You know, because there's the Brampton crew. There's the Oakville crew. There's the Saga crew. You know, and, you know, there's very few of the core, you know what I mean? Like, Sean Daly, uh, I don't know exactly where you guys live, but he's one of the few guys I know who lives in the core. Like, he lives in Toronto, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like Pickering or... Right, you know, right. So it's cool to have the show to kind of help bring people together. They meet each yeah. other. Yeah. You know? So it's the same thing you guys are doing, Like right? That's actually one of the things I've enjoyed most about doing the anthology is... Like, we, we have a bunch of social meetings where we have, like, once a month we try to get people together and just let them chat and hang out and talk comics. It doesn't have to be like an anthology thing. It's just Ming, fans of comics. And, yeah. All yeah. pints and pages. Yeah, like, yeah, same deal. Yeah. I yeah, was yeah. there this year. Yeah. Uh, Shay put that on and mm-hmm. it was a great little thing, you know. I've never yeah, yeah. been to the Cameron House. What a cool little dive, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. One night I did like an hour talking to Mike Ruth, you know, because I hadn't met Mike before. Yeah. 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 Great chat. I, so, I had a booth there but only because Ricky couldn't make he had like a wedding or something so he's like hey you want my booth so. I was sitting in Mickey's booth <laughs> yeah. 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 what was funny yeah. was you know you say booth but literally we were in the back room of a bar yeah. with some yeah. bar tables people had their comics on the bar tables yeah, exactly. sketching covers and stuff it was great mm-hmm. it was fantastic you know And so uh, I think comics can be a really solitary thing often because you just spend mm-hmm. forever in front of a drawing table yeah. and so doing it in a public place and getting to meet people like yourself is just oh it's fantastic it's yeah. you know and the more I can get around and the people hear each other you know like last year it was a weird thing because uh, like this show has a big Michigan base for some reason I'm very tight and have a lot of very good friends in Michigan and that was through another podcast that I knew called Drunk on Comics mm. these great guys who do this show so I started going down there doing Motor City Comic Con oh yeah I've been there and, it's my first con actually oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's, the best. it's my favorite show of the year mm. like uh, it's just so much harder to it. Plus, the hotel is so attached to it mm. that it, it kind of interweaves. It's like a 24-hour con for like three days. There's Have no you done end that con? to it. No. Oh. Never? You live in Windsor. How'd you not yeah. do that? I, don't, I, I did the Windsor con. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't go to Detroit very often. So, yeah. so I would go in down there, and there's, there's this weird thing down there. It's a lot smaller than here in the community, and but they are so tight. And so supportive of each other. Everybody, all they want to do is lift each other up. You know, I'm surprised there's actually not something like this going on out there, right? So very well, tight maybe people. Like, if, if anyone in Michigan is listening to this and you want to do, like, Michigan comics, get in contact with me and I'll, like, I'll help you out as much as I can. Now it's going to happen. Now that you've yeah. said it, you know, very cool things have happened that were just said on this show. So be, be careful what you wish for. So they've been coming up here a lot more. And the last two years, there was a big Michigan contingent that came up for Fan Expo. It's like uh, Tony Maiello, Jay Jaycott, Jay Fosgett. Uh, Jay Fosgett, uh, you familiar with him? He does uh, Milo Well, you Tony. mentioned you were, did the, the, 
the thing with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. bump and hustle right, thing. Right, right. He uh, today actually today. Congratulations, Mr. Jay Fosgett. His cover for the Avengers standoff. Uh, he did the oh, nice. Gwenpool variant. Oh, wow. Very cool. Uh, that's on the shelves today. Uh, so he's a Marvel artist now, and he's also going to be doing an issue of uh, Rock, uh, Rocket and Groot. Oh, Scotty. Nice. Yeah. So very, very excited. He's a Marvel artist now. It's so great. But he did My Little Pony. He's got his own book, Bodhi Troll, that's amazing. So he came up, and he's up here all the time. And he knows more about Canada than most Canadians. So they've been all coming up, and the Loose Moose mm-hmm. on uh, Front Street there. Uh, for some reason, Ryan Stegman went there a couple of years ago. Okay. Everybody followed. And then next year he wasn't there. It kind of broke up. So last year I kind of made it happen. And I got all these folks from Toronto and all these folks from Michigan. We all went over there. I think this year I might actually try to like book the place or something. <laughs> but I felt really cool at one moment. Because I was sitting there with a pint and I'd had a few. And I'm, I'm looking. And there's all my friends from Michigan and Ontario. Because my one friend had his art book open with all this commissions and stuff. He's a big art dealer guy and they're all just on it and talking it's like they've known each other for years and i just felt good i was just like yeah look how happy everybody is over superheroes you know it's mm. it's a beautiful thing i think so. i think maybe like it's good to have stuff like that because i think if left to our own devices we'd all just be very solitary and just sort of hate everyone around us like as <laughs> as creators you, as you speak as aaron yeah Feldman. i speak as aaron Feldman there, like <laughs> Yeah, it's like because like when you work on a book like this, you want everyone to succeed. But when you're just like writing on your own, like trying to make it, oh, you want everyone to, yeah. to fail and shit. Like you oh, look my at pirate books could be the best. How yeah. dare you publish something even better? Yeah, are any of you involved in any books besides the anthology? Allison, for sure. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm the editor for the Pitiful Human Lizard. Okay. You can pick up vol- uh, issue six and volume one, Far From Legendary. I'm told there's a book sure. launch soon? Yes, next week. Uh, this for your What day is it, just in case? Wednesday, yes. Wednesday, yeah. March 9th. Uh, this yes. is going to be coming out this Monday, which will be what? The 7th. The yes. 7th. Wednesday, so March 9th in at two days, Page and Panel. So in time, you yeah. can still go and check this out. Very yep. cool. Yeah. He's been getting around a bit. He yeah. has, yeah. So he'll be there. He'll be at Page and Panel, Reference Library in Toronto signing, um, awesome. which is exciting. And yeah, we we've got a few more issues in the can coming out this year. It's going to start being bi-monthly now because we've uh, oh yeah, Chapter House Comics was republishing the ones that we'd self-published, and so they're that's finished and that's the trade. Uh, but now it's going to be bi-monthly new stories that no one's seen yet. Oh, nice. So that's exciting. Um, anyone who's a fan of the Pitiful Human Lizard and was missing any of the Made in Chinatown mini comics that we were giving away at cons. Uh, there'll be a few of those in the back of the trade, so... I think I'm missing a few of those, so uh, that's perfect, yeah. yeah. And you wrote that's a fun book, too. Yes, I did. Know. I wrote my Mother Wonder one-shot is going to be in this one. And I'm very excited uh, because a monster that I created in that Mother Wonder one-shot shows up again in issue <laughs> nice. 7. Issue nice. 7. So, um, yeah, no, we've got some good stuff planned for that this year, and uh, we're working on a crossover with uh, Fred Kennedy with a story that, our character that he and Adam Gorham created for True Patriot, Gull Girl. Uh, so she's going to be showing up uh, in issue eight, which I believe was at the She's June. the woman with Gull dolls for hands, like seagulls yeah. for hands. Yeah. yeah, she was originally the villain of the story, <laughs> but then everyone liked her better. So, like, the yeah. next True Patriot volume had a Gull Girl story, not a Blue Noser story, which That's was kind awesome. of funny. Yeah. yeah, she's ridiculous. It was, it was a lot of fun uh, merging the two worlds together. So You can see the tears starting to start in Toronto. And I mean this in a positive way, not like, you know, classes or anything. But, like, since Fred's come to Toronto, you know, and gotten so involved in the community, you know, and, and Jason getting big and everybody, that 
it's cool, especially with Adam. Like, you know, Adam's ben, hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. so hot right now. Yeah, um, no, we were lucky so to get Adam Gorham for our first yeah, cover. And just yeah. hang, we're yeah. going like, to yeah. hang on to him as long as we can. <laughs> but it's incredible when you look at how lucky. I always try to explain this to other people because they don't quite understand Ontario and what we have here. That within an hour, driving in different directions, within an hour, Jason Fabok, Ty Templeton, like, you know, Jim Zub, you know, Adam yeah. Gorham. Leonard Kirk. Uh, Leonard Francis Kirk. Uh, yeah, uh, is Yannick out here or is he in Montreal? He's in Montreal. Yannick Paquette. Is, yeah. Close enough. Whatever. Montreal. <laughs> sure. It's a quick uh, You know, even Robert Bailey. Familiar with Robert Bailey? He's a Lucasfilm artist. Mm-hmm. And he lives out in Brantford, I believe. Okay. And he uh, he's one of, like, three, like, licensed fine artists. Hmm. I'm not sure how it worked out, but basically he... He his works are on Lucas's personal wall. Like oh, home. nice. You know nice. what I mean? Yeah. Like he's yeah. that deal. And for years he's been doing these pencil pencil sketches, and they're the kind of sketches that look photorealistic from like three feet away. Like you can't tell it's a pencil unless you go up and like look that it's mm-hmm. a pencil. Looks like a black and white photo. So he he tried Fan Expo for the first year a couple of years ago. Didn't know who he himself was or what he had. <laughs> Me and a friend got a bunch of these like Yoda hand-drawn originals for like a hundred bucks and stuff which is like nice. foolish right yeah. <laughs> next year they're like 500 bucks 600 yeah. bucks and this guy is like his work is in lucas's living room and so mm-hmm. but he's in bradford you know mm-hmm. so like uh david finch i mean alex ross uh it's not alex, alex ross dave ross okay yeah dave ross i was like is sorry i missed that one i caught myself you yeah. see how i fluttered there I thought, uh, hey i wasn't gonna call you out show no, uh, well, Dave actually. Ross of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know uh, he worked with a very good friend of the show, uh, Mark McKenna. Mm. Um, so you know it's it's cool, man. It's so cool. So let's talk specifically about what's happening coming up with Volume Three, then. Yes. So when does this start? Is this like Santa's Workshop? The minute Volume Two is done, the next day you're like, okay, let's plan for next year. Pretty much, yeah. Practically, yeah. Yeah. No, like the moment. Well, after book two finished, uh, I put together a couple surveys and I asked people what was good about the book and what was bad about book. Like, what was, as creators, how could we make this better for you? Because uh, that's the thing I think a lot of anthologies don't do. They, like, they produce this product and then they all walk away from the shake hands. They had a good time, but, like, there's not necessarily a focus on critical examination of what was successful or not. Uh, and I'm more soulless and business focused uh, so I try <laughs> so I try and figure out like how do what can we like concretely learn not just like store in our own little mental storehouses of like personal wisdom but how can we like prove it uh, and so I wanted to get a sense of what people enjoyed what people wanted to do with the next book uh, and from there we started doing planning uh, it took me a couple of weeks of like writing proposals uh, I brought the two editors on board um, and, and clearly, the other two editors we're still good friends with. They're awesome people. They're actually launching their own book right now. Uh, they're doing something called Hogtown Horror, which is like our book, but rated R. It's more of like an edgier, like a horror anthology. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah so both, you should get them uh, on, the, on like they're yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, yes. And of course, yes. Let's, let's <laughs> um, the segue. Yeah. Both uh, Allison and myself have stories that we wrote in the in that anthology as well. Very cool. So Very you should cool. kickstart that also when Kick, it comes hey, out. Hey, Double down. When it comes out, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> One a week, let's yeah, fill yeah. them up. You know, <laughs> sometimes it can get hard at times, but it's been getting easier and it's been getting more exciting as things have been getting out. You know, a lot of it was uh, for me meeting certain people. Like uh, the reason I met Ty was uh, Anthony Rutgazer <coughs> yeah. uh, of the First Hero, 
who, uh, you know, he's a bit of a fixture on the Toronto scene as far as he's been a pro wrestler on the Toronto scene for years, but his dream's always been to make a comic book. You know, and now he's working on, what, volume four of uh, The First Hero for Action Lab. Right? Nice. And so, but longtime friend, even before any of that, and he introduced me to Ty, and it just all started from there, you know? And once one person kind of hears and talks, it's really neat. So, you know, do you find that you're getting... Uh, <clears throat> did you get a bunch of approaches, like submissions, where people are like, can I be yeah. in the book now? Like, like, people, like, even in the Kickstarter today, we had a couple people who just send us, like, Kickstarter messages saying, like, hey, I've got an idea for a story. Can I submit it? And, like, not for this one. This one's pretty big. Uh, but yeah. for the next one, like, uh, we're probably going to be opening submissions again in August. Um, if you follow our Twitter account, uh, we'll be announcing that we're doing an open submissions. We'll publish, like, a guideline for what we're looking for, as well as page rates, uh, rights, etc. Right. And then just go from there. Nice, nice. How many uh, how many uh, pitches oh, did we, we had get, do you think? 55 creators submitted things and there were 75 pitches in total. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very difficult. Like the three of us sat down in uh like a pub somewhere, what was it? it was Bishop a, and Belcher. Bishop and Belcher, yeah. 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 For like a good 3 or 4 hours just yeah. arguing about like what was the strongest story because they were all really good. Yeah. We could we could maybe drop a few of them right off the bat, but the majority yeah, a few of them sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but many were very good. No, it was really, really hard because people involved who were, we knew fantastic creators and would do an amazing job of things, but the pitch itself might not be strong. And so but I think this is also a learning experience for even people who are submitting things because now they're learning like which pitches sell For more. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a way to pitch, you know. Yeah. There's a... Uh... You know, I saw a few friends out at, oh, what was the con? There's so many cons happening all the time. They just did one on how to pitch a comic. That was a whole yeah. panel. I think Casey Pierce was on that panel. It was how do you pitch? Like, because yeah. you know, there's a problem. Ty Templeton actually has an entire class on it. Oh, is he just on a pitch? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I should take that class. You should take, I should take, I should take that class. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's just great. But how like, lucky, eh? You could just do what? that. Yeah. You just be like, here's money. Ty Templeton will show you what's up. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Seriously, yeah. the comic book embassy, uh, comic book boot camp, like, Throw money at them. Learn yeah. stuff if you can. Like his, right. his classes sell out instantly. Follow him on Twitter. When he posts that there's space available, get in there. It's at Ty Bunny, I believe. That Isn't makes it? sense. His, yeah. yeah, at Ty Bunny, I believe, is his Twitter handle. Um, yeah, man. That's cool. Where was it going again? We had a enormous amount of submissions for book, yes. book three. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we'll assume for book four, we'll probably have twice that. Yeah, but that's exciting, though. You yeah. Know? It's... No, it's amazing. Like, that's the thing is, like, we have. It's scary, but like we started the first book in like April 2014, and we have come so far in like quickly, two, yeah. Yeah, 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 and like we've all everyone's put in the same amount of hours, and we've all learned as fast as we possibly can. Uh, <laughs> you put in way more hours than <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, but, it's true, but, yeah. Yeah. but maybe it, if you but combine it's also, ours, it's, like it's yeah. my project, though. Like I have yeah. to. If you don't, if you don't prove that you're twice as passionate about it as everybody else, <laughs> like you can't. Like, oh, it's always how it kind of ends up being. Like, when you're passionate about something, you know, you, you can't help it. Like, I was saying before, you end up putting the work in, right? Because I have a network as well, Points mm. of Interest Podcast Network.com. Check it out, Points of Interest Podcast.com. <laughs> um, you know, and I started it because I love podcasting so much. I wanted to put a network together of all my friends doing pods and people that I, you know, pods that I liked. And I, I do it, I do so much for it. And I just can't help myself. Like, the only person getting mad at me is me, you know, being like, just chill out. You can't help it, you know? You want to keep building on you this thing. You want the best you can you be. Know? It's, you know. So, how about the specifics as far as, 
Uh, how do you decide who's doing the cover? Does everybody share colorists? Uh, we had Adam Gordon know? for our cover for the first one, and like That's he's a bit always of a known brain. Yeah. he's given us. Do you a approach thing. him specifically for the cover? Do you say, Adam, will you do the cover? Does he offer? How does um, that happen? The way it works is we have like a. The, for the first book, uh, Nelson reached out to him. They met him at a convention. Uh, Nelson DeRocha, our editor at the time, uh, negotiated the deal with him. Uh, but since then, he's given us a, like a really good deal on the print on his covers because, like, given what that dude is worth, we're not paying him enough. He's doing it out of like love of the genre, love of like right. new creators wanting to get involved. Uh, so as long as he's willing to give us a sweet rate, we will keep on using him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's a good representative, right? I mean... Yeah, no, he's fantastic. You know, he's... And he's just a super nice guy. That's the thing that people don't value enough. Like, the line between incredible talent and incredible niceness. you got to have them both. Well, yeah, yeah. It's also, you know, we have more outgoing artists than I've seen in a lot of places. You know, Toronto's one of those shows where you walk around and people will talk to you and engage yeah. and, and get up. It's not like Motor City. Motor City, they're all in front of their table. And they're like, <laughs> here, here, here. Like, it's yeah, an amazing yeah. atmosphere. I'm always, I, I'm sorry, I'm really stoked that it's coming up, actually. <laughs> yeah, be, I can tell. It's going to be exciting. I don't know why. It's just, it's there's something about that con. It's like not fan expo levels, but not even, you know, it's like, like a fresh feel con. to it, but it's not entirely corporate yet. Yeah, there's just like there's a way that they go about it. There's just I, I don't even know. It's it's one of those unexplainable things where people are happiest at that con than I've seen at any hmm. other con. It's probably a good balance because you know Fan Expo's great, but it's so That's beast, so big. Yeah, yeah, people don't quite get like yeah. this event, like because people go to Comic Cons and other places. Because I'm, you know, I I do Denver Comic Con every year, Motor City, Great <coughs> Philadelphia Con. You know, I get around a little, and and these are great, big, awesome cons. You know, but people just don't get it. Like I was at Denver Comic Con. I'm sitting there with friends. And we had a, uh, they did a really cool thing called Podcast Peak, and they had, like nine podcasts in their own little like artist alley area. Oh, cool. So cool. Most cons won't even give us press because you can't vet. It's really hard to vet a, a podcast. It could yeah. be some guy in his basement. You know, it's it's just celebrities don't want to do it. You know? Yeah. And it's hard to, like, mm. test a podcast without listening to exactly. it and like, taking a couple yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah. But Denver, they're, like, they're way behind podcasts. They love that whole thing. So they set us up there. And uh, and I would say to people, they'd be like, so how big is Fan Expo, like, compared to this? And I'd be like, it's probably about eight of these. Yeah. And we'd be like, <laughs> What? <laughs> it's hard to explain, you know, and you know, because people don't get like, like I was saying, how big Toronto is. We're, you know, it's the third biggest Comic Con in North America. So when you're mm -hmm. talking about it being up there with San Diego and New York, that yeah. should give people an idea how immense it is. But people yeah. just still don't get it because it's Canada. Yeah. How could we possibly have yeah. even that many people? <laughs> it's, it's, we can put in one building. Right? It's like, well, it's not even in one building. It's like it's yeah, the biggest yeah, con I've ever seen, yeah. and there's a whole other building. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Yeah. And they're still jammed. They're running out of space. Like they can't expand. It's, yeah. Well, they may have to start doing San Diego type stuff, and you know how they have offsites, like the yeah. you know yeah. the park well, across the street. You know, the... I, I think that actually Zdarsky had a con there. Zdarskon across yeah. the street. Yeah. yeah. Really? This was the thing he did. Yeah. He well, just had like a a booth. Uh, I think it was just like a table he brought from home, like a desk. Yeah, I think he had. Didn't he have like an Eisner like taped to a chair? Or something? Like, it was something absurd. It was. It was him in like a beach chair and an umbrella. I don't even think he brought books. Yeah, that's amazing. I would have yeah. attended that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, But even like the steam whistle part, they could probably you know maybe sure. take yeah, advantage yeah. of you know over there. Even though if they took that away, then where are all the the anime cosplay kids gonna hang? Yeah, out? that is true. And I like them because you know how they all they sit. You know, there's a little train that goes on yeah. the track there. 
right? And it comes around, and right up on the little hill at the very back corner before the park is where they all congregate, mm-hmm. right? But they never go up over the other side of the hill. It's like they make a perfect barrier. So when I need my doobie breaks throughout the, the convention, mm-hmm. they're like the perfect blockage, right? <laughs> like they just, they, they don't care. They're all so into their hee-hee-hee that it's me. And so I really appreciate the anime kids. Sure. I don't want to take away their nice little hangout spot, you know, because that keeps them out of Artist Sally at the same time, right? So, and there's that guy, Matt something, what's his name again? Matt Dwyer or something, I don't know. But he made that TARDIS out of cardboard. You ever seen this? No. He just... He doesn't even go into Fan Expo. He doesn't buy a ticket at all. He built a cardboard TARDIS that is amazing. Mm. Like, you wouldn't realize it was cardboard until you went up to it. Every year he brings it to Fan Expo, dresses up as a different doctor, and just sticks it on the hill (laughs) up behind the train tracks there. And he literally just puts it on the hill and then chills for the day. Let's people take pictures. If you're looking yeah. for a doobie break, probably that's a good hot box. In yeah. 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 yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Interdimensional hot box, yeah. yeah. yeah that seems but, like a life dream for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> she just want a hot box to TARDIS. I can't believe I've never thought of it. <laughs> you know what, though? You've just given me the most brilliant commission idea I <laughs> that I'm going to hold on to for C2E2. I yeah. can see you're that. Yeah. One a couple artists you might be down for that, right? Oh, that's perfect. So about Toronto itself, let's discuss away from the anthology. Just uh, it's kind of a broad, cheesy, kind of typical question. But what do you guys love about Toronto? What's Toronto mean to you? Uh, to me, like, like I'm old. I'm like 31. Uh, I I know. Sorry, guys. I just had my 39th birthday (laughs) two weeks ago. No, like. It was the first time, like, I moved <laughs> into a place where I felt like an actual functioning adult. Like, I, I, was, in, I was in college for one time. Um, I stuck in my college roommate's housing for a while. I stuck with, like, I was in this small apartment with five other people. Uh, and eventually, I just had enough. I had, like, I, like, threw my stuff on the floor. I was like, no, I'm out. I'm going to Toronto. I'm going to be a real person there. <laughs> uh, and then I was, and it was great. But no, like, it, it was, I felt like I had my place in life. I had enough confidence in myself as a creator, as um, I had a steady day job, which was nice. Uh, and so I could just start building stuff. I wasn't scrambling to get up to pace. I had an actual like uh, base to work from for the first time in my life. Nice. And Toronto has like a really interesting atmosphere to it. There's culture here. Like there's like the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. They have like riffraff tickets where you pay like 15 bucks to get front row seats of the orchestra. And I love that shit. Yeah. Like, I am... Well, we just have so much of it. You yeah. know, I always try to tell people, when it comes to art here, it's not surprising we have so many famous comic book artists and creators because of just the schools, the facilities, the theaters, the galleries. It's it, There's just there's dozens and dozens of places to spend time at learning yeah. this stuff. Yeah. And a million different subcultures you can reach out and touch. And, yeah. like, people who recognize you. Like, people say that it's, uh, you know, a big city, no one will ever remember you. But I assure you, there's people I meet in the subway every morning that I definitely remember and probably don't want to. But... <laughs> How about you guys? Well, I mean, I think you guys kind of uh, touched up on it a lot. I, I'm, like, very much a city person. I hate, like, camping. I think camping's one of the stupidest things like, <laughs> someone can do. Um, and I think that for someone like that who really likes, you know, the good things that humanity has to offer, you can find a lot of that in the city. Like you're saying, like, if you you can get culture here, you can get um, 
all sorts of different like food. You can eat whatever you want. You can meet all these different it's the types of people. Most multicultural city, absolutely, in the world. I've heard that, yeah. and I believe it. Like for sure, I believe like, yeah. that if the planet Earth, the one single most multicultural spot on this entire planet, is the food court at Square One Mall. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can, am I not right? If you go sit down in what is also always packed, but if you sit down, I was there a couple weeks ago. No, it was Christmas maybe. I'm looking around, and I'm just like, literally, there is every shade, every possible shade of human being sitting in this food court right fucking now. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's amazing. But Toronto, same thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, like, why, I, like, you know how you said that, uh, Andrew, that you don't plan on leaving. It's like, why would you need to? That It has everything that you can want. I mean, if, especially as someone who wants to, like, get into comic books, there's such a great community here. Uh, you have people like Ty who are just like out to help you, you know, no matter what. And uh, and Jim's up, Jim's like, up as well. Like, oh online, my god, he's yeah. publishing all of these amazing yeah. articles on how to like, how do you do this stuff? He publishes articles about his money, like how like what percentage of finances are involved in making a comic, and nobody else does that. Mm-hmm. No, it's handy stuff. Yeah, he did us a solid. He, yeah, no, he wrote the forward for our second book actually. Yeah. Oh right, yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like again, like I asked him advice. He's straight up about it. He's just he is super nice. Uh, but also, like, what's wrong over here? Firm, I guess? Yeah. He's a teacher. Oh, well, he I mean, knows. He, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. literally an instructor in Seneca. No yeah, nonsense. Yeah. yeah. So if you're wrong, yeah. you'll let you know in, like, the nicest possible way. Well, that's what you need to hear. You know, yeah. if you can't yeah. handle it, you shouldn't be trying to hack it in the first place. Yeah, and there's yeah. nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. Yeah. You don't think it, like, only, the only sin is not realizing you're wrong and learning. Right, right. Was, and, yeah, it was like growing oh. up in the city there. Well, I grew up north of the city. Like, I grew up in suburbia, so... So, wait, which area are you talking? Richmond Hill. Okay, yeah. See, yeah. I'm same thing. Total suburbs kid. Yeah, yeah, like, our the sign, as you are driving up Young Street, there's a sign that says, a little north, a little nicer. Richmond Hill. <laughs> um, which was good for when I was growing up, but I'm like Aaron. I don't think camping's stupid. I'm pro-camping, but uh, I also am a city... I'm well. I, I like the cottage, you know, but I am a city person. Like I like, uh, as they're saying, like all the culture here. And I don't know. Unlike Andrew, I, I'm not a functional adult yet. Still figuring <laughs> no, that you're one not. out. Um, but that's the thing. Like I feel it's something that I am figuring out in the city because there's so many, there are so many options in terms of like you say like there's these communities that you can reach out to. And so sometimes it is like you know I I'm a member at the art gallery, so I go there to see all their exhibits. But then you can also, I really like choir, choir, choir. The, like, drop-in choir that will teach you a song, and then you, you sing, and then you go yeah, home. Yeah. And... and Brampton has demolition derbies. <laughs> that, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, you gotta, you know, I'm an editor. That. And they're awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And, and Brampton has demolition derbies. Yeah. Point being, um, no matter what you're looking for, what it is you, you... You know, I took a coding class recently. There are just so many options nice. of things. Yeah, but that was an option. And, and it's. Um, I think it's incredible that there's... You can kind of find yourself and find your way. And I hadn't thought about making comics or being involved in comics beyond being a reader and like a blogger about them uh, until I moved into this city and that just made it so much more possible it was like seeing this community you keep talking about like all the incredibly talented people we have in the city and um, all the passion that we have and that's one of the things that I was so excited for with this book was seeing people that were just so excited and so passionate about comics that until now they were doing it for essentially for free right um 
and being a part of that and kind of infiltrating the community and going to like geek girl nights um, that yeah. people like comic shop ladies night is a thing I'm a big fan of and I see I need to try I'm trying to get out to more comic book shops for events mm-hmm. because my LCS is in Clarkson it's uh, Altered States Comics oh yeah and it's these two guys Dave and Doug these two brothers and they've had this shop for 26 years mm-hmm. but it's the most Typical, stereotypical comic book situation. Like, I've been going there since I was, like, 13, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved up from St. Catharines when I was, like, 9, and then I discovered them when I was, like, 13. And, you know, always been going there, and they just, they don't do nothing. They're just, either one of them is behind the counter, and they're just slinging comics. There's no events, no signings, no, they hardly put anything on the walls, you know? Like, they're just old-school comic yeah. shop. Yeah. And even on free comic book day... They order all the free comics from everybody. <coughs> you know, a lot of shops these days are like, oh, you got to buy one or buy three new comics and you get a comic, whatever. They have two big tables. They put them on the table and nice. there's a lineup outside. They open the door. The lineup shuffles through. Everyone picks up comics of <laughs> yeah. each and they buy something to go on their way. Everyone knows like, yeah, We don't care. Yeah. You know? And these guys, I think it's just, yeah, it's like exactly. Like they know their business so well. They know exactly what to order. Like all that's just down to a science for mm. them, you know. So they, they have no worries. But a lot of the, it's a newer generation with these shops since it's been more popular, you know, like it's, it's more of a, you got to have the shop itself has to be more of a brand now. And there's so much know? competition in downtown Toronto. There's like five, six oh, comic books. Oh, all it, There's 15 minutes for me just in Oakville, Mississauga. There's about four shops. So I can do Conspiracy yeah. Comics. Yep, yep. Uh, um, what's Mike's shop? Um, comic Connection on Spears, yeah. Altered States, Mine. Uh, Labyrinth is up yeah. across from Sheridan College. Like, yeah, no, I used to go down the stairs and watch them. Gotham Central is up at, uh, it's like Dixie and Kennedy, kind of. It's Mississauga still, but it's a little, it's uh, It's actually, it's attached to the Mississauga Flea Market. Mm-hmm. You ever see the 401 Flea Market or whatever you hear about? Um, but yeah, it's literally, it's like attached to that building. I was there recently for their fourth anniversary, their fourth birthday party, which was cool. Ty was there, Adam was there. And uh, you know it was fun to chat, but but yeah, there's there's competition. You're right; it's huge. You know, like and so I think like especially with page and panel places like that, they're really kind of pushing the community to keep up with them. Because page mm-hmm. and panel like constantly has really good events. Like they had the Secret Loves of Geek Girls. What launch. is? I'm not even. Oh, sorry, page panel is the. It's attached to the Toronto Reference Library. It's like the guys who run the Beguiling and the okay. Lionel Comics. Yeah, okay. They have like the a permanent TCAF store. Like just attach it to a reference library. I did not know that. Oh well, wow. that is in fact where the uh, Pitbull Human Lizard launch is happening the, yes. on Wednesday. Oh, perfect. Okay, you should cool. go. Well, you, you should go. I mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really open, friendly space with comics I've never heard of, which but are all fantastic. That's awesome. It's it's like an indie. It's very much indie shop, but at the same time, like there's like sometimes with indie, there can be the sense of like. It's a little abstract. It can be a little weird. It's like you have to be a high artiste to really appreciate it. But this is just really good, like, all ages, but also artistic stuff. Like, I'm not selling it properly, but it's a fantastic store. I love it. Go throw money at them. Nice, nice. I'll never forget, uh, back in the days, being a suburban kid, part of the excitement for me growing up in the 90s, uh, not growing up, but being like a teenager in the 90s, Uh, was the perfect time, you know? Like, I consider the 90s, like, what kind of the 60s were. We haven't had that time since where everything was so free, so 
all the music was so original. There was just so much unique original stuff coming out in the 90s. And you had to get on a GO train. You had to come downtown because if you wanted docks in the early 90s, you had to go to Kensington. You had to go to the black market on Queen Street. You weren't right, getting right. docks at Aldo at Square One, like mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Sure. You know? yeah. And that was really exciting. I never, I'll never, i never forget how exciting it was, you know, to come down for your first concerts. Like the Bare Naked Ladies did like a six-show streak at Massey Hall once. Cool. Me and a bunch of friends went and went to like every show, nice. you know, and they had like a different opener every night at Massey. And those were just exciting times. And I remember when I first saw the Silver Snail. Mm. I was just like, yeah, oh, the old Dempster look on the, on the yeah, Queen Street, Queen Street. Yeah. Street yeah, I love that place. Oh, when so... I was a kid, that was such an event to go down. There oh yeah. And stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like from the subway, even it's like I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I was wondering what it was, would it be like to have grown up in the city, yeah, in yeah. the core, be one of those Degrassi kids, <laughs> like <laughs> hopping fences and yeah. it could have been cool. Yeah, Real man. Joey Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's fun, man. Uh, you know, as these things grow and, and get bigger, you know, because Toronto itself is more popular on a world stage, mm. you know, with all the things that have happened. I mean, Rob Ford pushed us onto the Daily Show. That I did mean, a lot. Was... And I hate to say it, right. but Bieber and Drake, yeah, and, sure, yeah, you know, absolutely. and the connection to the Raptors, the fact that the Raptors and Jays <laughs> are just doing so well, yeah. it puts a lot of focus on the city at a time when the city is trying to grow and, mm-hmm. you know be its world-class self, which for the comic book community, now so many people want involved because when they go to Fan Expo and they see this amazing, epic, monstrous thing, you yeah. know, it's, it's great. It's really exciting. So I cannot give you guys all kudos enough at all for doing this. Um, give some specifics. Uh, the Kickstarter's on right now. Yes. I yes. uh, launched on, like, midnight March 1st. Uh, it'll be running until, I believe, March 30th. Uh, midnight is around there. Uh, we're asking for ten thousand uh, dollars, and at the current moment, uh, and this will be way out of date by the time it's actually broadcast. <laughs> I hope. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's like yes. it is still. Oh, we looked at it ago, and it was doing incredibly well. We were doing yeah. so. I'm updating. Um, so it's been twenty-one hours. It's at thirty-four hundred right now, so we're thirty-four percent of the way there. Uh, and again, we launched this like midnight yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So we are Wonderful. really hoping to do. Enough money that I don't have to sell my car. Because yeah. <laughs> that is a legitimate risk and fear I had. You haven't seen my car. No? But like, it's... Okay. All right, my car is an old Honda Civic. It was stolen and then brought back because it's such garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I left it covered... I, it's still covered in police tape because I figure it's like a warning sign. Like, you know, don't open... Maybe there was a murder inside. in this car, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't open dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> I just passed out taking uh, a nap. Yeah. So it's just Toronto Comics Anthology? That's all you got to yes. search on uh, Yeah, uh, you can also go to our website at torontocomicsanthology.com, uh, which should redirect you to the Kickstarter immediately. Yeah. Um, you can also Google it from uh, the Kickstarter page. It should be on their featured projects, I believe. Projects uh, we love. Oh, projects really? We love, yeah. Projects we love? Yeah, right. they love us. There you go. They love uh, we you. also have a uh, Twitter feed, uh, which is at Toronto Comics. With, with an X. X. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Allison, Aaron, Andrew, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Uh, are you guys going to be at Toronto Comic Con? We are. To have a table uh, we're hitting the Sarnia Comic Con uh, okay. next week, uh, followed by the March Comic Con, uh, and then basically every other convention from now until eternity. Nice. Yeah. And we launch Volume 3 at, at May and TCAP. At TCAP. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, that's yeah, like the yeah. book. is. It's ready to go now. Uh, it will be fired off to the printer's. Pretty much like as the end of the Kickstarter, we'll have it ready in time for May. 
Uh, and then we're just going to have a heck of a time because TCAF was amazing last year. Nice. For you kids out there who may not know what TCAF is, it's the Toronto Comics Art Festival. And yep. it's kind of Toronto's wine and cheese party of Comic-Cons. Of 24,000 people jammed into a war reference library. Yeah. And it's not your t- it's not like a Comic-Con, you know. It's, it's a, You're not allowed to cosplay. Yeah. But it's also, yeah. it's free. You get in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's no entrance fee. Like, you got to wait in line for a while. Yeah. But there is... I think booths are very high demand, but they're free too, right? Uh, booths, like, they're not free, but they're oh, like... Okay. They're a fraction of what you paid Fan Expo. Yeah. Like literally oh, yeah. one fifth yeah. of what I yeah. paid to Fan yeah. Expo. Yeah, uh, I think that one sorry, but please, uh, please. yeah, TCAF I is probably my favorite show every year. Yeah. Um, just because it's it's come because I think it's important that it's like the comic arts festival. So it's Fan Expo has become huge because it's about business now and it's become so generalized, which isn't a bad thing. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot more accessible, but there are a lot of people there going to see you know, actors from like Hannibal it's or about whatever. Yeah. Like, the success of the nerd. The nerd is now it's the It's not nerd. a Comic Con, it's a yeah. fan expo. But yeah. like, it's a culture yeah. con. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the the comic arts festival is still it care it's still about comics and it's about mm-hmm. the art of comics. And I think there's a lot of people who will go to that show who you won't see at Fan Expo and whose work isn't as like commercially successful. But that's really mm-hmm. great for books like us because we are gonna get a lot more attention because we're not, you know, hiding behind cosplayers, behind t-shirt booths, behind yeah. sports people. Remember yeah. when they did that? that was, what was up with that that, that year, was the right? I saw, I remember seeing that online and being like, what? <laughs> this is just no one, Yeah, no one's going to look at our book and be disappointed that there's no Spider-Man. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that there's more openness. And it's it's also fantastic for people who, like, follow web comics, for example. Um, but a lot of those, and, and like, the TCAF shop, like Andrew was kind of describing earlier, or attempting to describe, <laughs> uh, but that's more the kind of stuff you're going to see. And so I love that um, there's just as much passion at TCAF, but it's directed in a bit of a different direction. And I don't mean to deride Fan Expo it's or people that, yeah. yeah, it's just different yeah. and maybe more conducive to us making money, yes. which I also like. Uh, yeah. Straight up, like, if you want to know how much money we make at shows, like, TCAF is our number one show. We made more money at TCAF, like, TCAF and Fan Expo are the big ones, mm. um, but like, TCAF, apart from Fan Expo, made more money than every other con we did that year. Right. Like, yeah. combined. Mm-hmm. Right. It was... Yeah. 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 The thing about TCAF is that people come there to find new things. Yeah. They're not looking for Spider-Man. They're not looking for a reinforcement of their existing identity. Right. They want to yeah. find something new yeah. to show off to their friends that they know they can only get that one day a year. Yeah. Two days a year. Right, right. right. It's beautiful. Well, uh, I know for a fact there's people listening to this in Britain. And there's people listening to this across the uh, United States pretty good. And you people also, other than just needing to support indie comics, the cool thing about this is, kids, that it is about Toronto. So, no, we don't have talking buildings or, (laughs) you know, things like that, but I'm sure it's still going to be a great representation of the personalities that come out of Toronto, Mm. what the artists we have to offer are like, and, uh, you know, their kind of inkling and stuff. So, please, kids, support this so much. Uh, Toronto's a wonderful place to live. I'm sure you all... Kids agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Toronto. Woo. Canada. Okay. <laughs> but uh, again, I'll wait till the mic's still. No, Toronto, we love you. Yeah. From the nine hundred five to the four one six, kids. That is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.